0: Ten strangers are summoned by letter to Soldier Island, an isolated spot off the coast of England, where sits a storied mansion hidden from the mainland. Some arrive expecting a party. Others, a relaxing retreat. Some even expect to be employed by the hosts. However, soon they realize that none of them actually knows why they've been invited or the identity of their host. The only thing that's clear is this. One of them is a fiendish murderer. Will they find the killer before it's too late? Or will they all, one by one, meet their end? The author, Agatha Christie. The book, And Then There Were None. And you're listening to Lit Society. Let's Let's
1: get get lit!
0: This is Kari. And this is Alexis. And you're listening to Lit Society, a show about books and drama. Alexis, how are you today?
2: Girl, I have been in quarantine, quarantine. Well, let's just tell the truth.
0: I made a collect call to the Cook County um, Correctional Facility. (laughs) (laughs) You accept it. Thank you. Because the podcast must go on. I don't care what crimes you've been involved in.
2: Thank you wow, for being a professional. Right. <laughs> Let me know when well, the word no, is. might time in and, and disconnect us, okay? <laughs> it will do that. Oh,
0: oh we both have experience <laughs> with these type of calls, I see. But they warn you first. They'll go, you have three yep. minutes left. And you can't mm. even pay to take a longer call. What if I got something to say? Your mama did now I they got a call back and you should oh, in the, in the first beginning. You know, I don't I I wanna ease into those type of conversations. <laughs> anyway, well yeah, we're on house arrest. Mm-hmm. Can you believe it? Yeah. Um your village was the first and then the um entire state is has a shelter in place. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, for like two or three that's weeks.
2: Right. Yep, yep, yep. Ours they so far they're saying ours will discontinue. On the 3rd of April, but but the state actually shutting down April 7th, right? I'm affected anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, so. So, by the state. so
0: basically, um, your village's mandate is dissolved because it's like superseded by exactly. the state of Illinois. Mm-hmm. Well, the hospital in our neighborhood, there was someone diagnosed with COVID. So, but I hear he's at home getting better. But then there was a rumor that a doctor and some nurses were testing positive, and then that rumor was proved true later. I guess it was two doctors mm-hmm. tested yep. positive. So, yeah, interesting yep. times. Did you ever think we'd be in a situation like this?
2: No, I wouldn't have been able to imagine it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Since we're both in this, I could still ask you how you're doing oh, in yeah. your situation.
0: <laughs> well, you know, um, okay. First of all, I feel really. Sorry for like small business owners and giggers who like photographers and you know, um, freelancers who require that check to check and that constant flow of income. Right. But just being at home and having to be at home and knowing being, knowing being able to like argue with you about it, it's been great. I am getting a little bored, and it's only been day two, but I've cooked a lot. I'm freezing. As soon as I can cook it and freeze it, my husband is eating it. So we won't have any food, (laughs) I'm guessing, in like three days. (laughs) But
2: other than that. When you're home, you're a different kind of hungry. Because it's nothing to do.
0: Might as well eat a steak. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> what about you? How this you my doing? first
2: couple of days, yeah. I had a steak. I Did had lobster. A couple <laughs> days later, I had crab legs. <laughs> because you deserve it. I boil. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to be 50 pounds heavier, but I'm trying to fight against it. That's everyone's fear. <laughs> How do you not blow up?
0: This is the fear. Well, I'm going yeah. running today. Cause ain't nobody out there, and so it's just gonna be me and Covidia running through the streets. <laughs> Coronavirus, it's gonna be fine. We'll make I've it. I take taking walk. I've uh, been taking walks. This oh, week. that's good. Is there anyone out when yeah. you're walking? Um,
2: people walking their dogs. That's it.
0: Okay. Yeah, the dogs gotta get out there. Mm. hmm
2: Yep.
0: Well, listen, we have a show to run. And we're professionals, we so we're going to do it. I, I mean, at first I was like, so when are you coming by for us to record? And you told me, you um, were, you were serious no, I will not be doing that because of the coronavirus. And I said, oh, wow, she's being hysterical. It's a shame. It really is a shame. <laughs> Cooler Heads prevailed. And I'm glad you made this adult decision. And we were able to make it work. So apologies to the readers for the audio quality. You know, we're sticklers about that, but we're doing our best.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: not bad. It ain't good either. are
2: oh, you'll make it great. All right, well, well let's move so on.
0: And there's also a delay, but that's okay. So the theme of the week. Ooh. Each week, readers, we select a theme to discuss, usually inspired by the book we're reading, but this week we're going to switch it up. And the theme is six ways to get new books from home during a global pandemic. <laughs> Number one, <laughs> Scribd. Have you heard of Scribd? Yeah. Okay, that's spelled S as in Sam, C is in Charlie, R-I-B as in Boy, D as in David. Scribd.com. Yeah. And this website is a source for um, audiobooks and um, magazines and um, even newspapers you can get. The point of Scribd, it's supposed to be like the direct competitor of Audible and Kindle Unlimited. There's a free month trial and then $8.99 a month, which is less even significantly less than um, subscriptions offered by other publishers or book providers. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's their thing, really. The unlimited magazines and news and unlimited audiobooks from major publishers. Again, 30-day free trial, then $8.99 per month, Scribd.com. Number two, this is going to make everyone groan, but I have to say Amazon Um, I don't, I mean, I'm not pushing the support of it, but quite frankly, I use a Kindle or I use a a tablet with a Kindle app. And as much as we support our indie bookstores and libraries, I, you know, once a month am buying something off of Amazon or not buying. Because if you guys want to come a little closer, I'll tell you a secret. Are you listening, (laughs) Alexis?
2: Uh oh, uh oh, yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) You can just return or exchange a book you've already read on your Kindle. You guys, Mm -hmm. in theory, you buy one book on Kindle and you set for the rest of your life, I guess. (laughs) So, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, I mean, I hope this is on the level. (laughs) I hope this is on the level,
2: but
0: you've done it before, right? Girl, yeah it's all I do. In fact, I went to cancel my Audible subscription. Now, you may know that Audible is a child of Amazon. It's um, their audiobook app. And audiobooks can be crazy expensive. For example, we just reviewed um, The Warmth of Other Suns. I bought that book, but I didn't have time to sit and read every page. I needed an audiobook to supplement uh, my reading. And I didn't want to pay thirty-one dollars, which was the price. So I returned um, Number One Ladies Detective Agency, which I've decided I hate <laughs> that book.
2: <laughs> <gasps> oh
0: I know. I'm so sorry. We'll talk about it We're later. Read it. It's now. garbage. we don't read it Mm-mm. now. That's we ain't okay. gotta we do don't that.
2: You going to get it back?
0: But I'm glad you made mm-hmm. me buy it because I think I paid seven <laughs> ninety nine <laughs> for it. And I got a $30 <laughs> book. That makes no sense. But that's that's the way it's set up. So if you're familiar yeah. with Kindle or I'm going to throw um, Audible in there, you can return or exchange a book you've already read. However, you can also subscribe or if you want. Uh, one month free, then $9.99 per month. This comes with a caveat. In my opinion, the Kindle Unlimited library is very limited so if you are signing up yeah, for Kindle, yeah, have you tried are, are you on that now? Yeah, you are. OK, yeah. So I doubt okay. Such a Fun Age, which is a new book that came out that we reviewed. I doubt that's on there. Even Warmth of Other Suns, I'm, I'm doubting that's on there. Um, but, so it's like a lot of public domain books, which makes me feel like, well, why would you even pay a subscription for books that are free to the public? <laughs> But anyway, right. number three, Libby. Are you familiar with Libby?
2: Yeah, that's a connection to the library.
0: Yeah, so um, did you know your local library has thousands of ebooks and audiobooks? You can borrow them instantly for free using just the device in your hand. Look in your hand, everybody. Anything there? Of course, there's a phone in it because phones are like permanently attached mm-hmm. to our hands now. You can use yep. that mm-hmm. to download an ebook and it's free, legit free. Um, sign into multiple libraries, even if you want, with one or more cards for each library. Um, download books and audiobooks for offline reading or stream them to save space if you don't yep. want down to yep. download them on your device. And if you prefer reading on your Kindle, Libby can even send your library book to it if you live in the United States. So that's a benefit. There is a downside, though. I guess I, I mean it is tied to whatever content your library has purchased, so it's limited.
2: Yeah, I think it's a great source because you can still um, uh, borrow from other libraries and get books.
0: That's right. That's right. And newer books might have longer wait times, but they're still there. They're yep. it's you know still available to download. Number four, OverDrive. Yeah. OverDrive is similar to Libby. They were created by the same people. Um, but it's a little more archaic than Libby. And this can be a good thing because if your mom really likes ebooks, but she has a device from, I don't know, five years ago, she might not be able to get the Libby app on her device. It may have, um, it might have, they may have phased out service for her device, but she could probably still download Overdrive. So that's the benefit for that. I wouldn't use it because it's not like cute. <laughs> Libby is a real like millennial friendly <laughs> app. It's like got colors and it's like game like Overdrive is just more archaic
2: for the old folks. It they is. Need it's to very read. basic.
0: It is. It is
2: <laughs> it's very basic. But Number- the library has that one, too.
0: Yeah, exactly. Number five, Hoopla. Also through the library. It's similar to Libby, similar yep. to Overdrive. Smaller catalog, but Hoopla's benefit is that it. Has unlimited copies of selected titles of ebooks, audiobooks, movies, and music. I've been using this app for years to borrow movies. <laughs> so again, Hoopla, H oh, O O P L A. Have you heard of it?
2: Yep, yep, use it through the library.
0: Exactly. <laughs> the library is like, I see why you love that place. <laughs> I don't know how anybody making money with the library open. But anyway, <laughs> um, there are no holes, you know, you get it immediately. And then number yeah. six, last on my list, public domain book sources. You guys, some of those books you love, some of those classics are so old that no one really owns the rights to them. <laughs> that means no one should be should actually be making that much money off of them. You might see these as like $2.99 books on um, Amazon, on uh, Kindle, or in bookstores, they'll be like, Deeply discounted, and the cover will be something generic that the bookstore created. Those books are public domain books. They're free to the public, and you can use an aggregator such as Project Gutenberg to pull those books. So if you go to gutenberg.org, that's G U T is in Tom, E N is in Nancy, B as in boy, E R G dot org, you can pull up a lot mm-hmm. of these free books. Also, Google public domain books. And you'll get a list of different websites you can visit to pull your free book. Um, I think.
2: Animal. So F- go ahead. It's not like an ebook. It I'm can sorry. be,
0: but the ones I found are usually PDFs. To be honest, um, and
2: PDF, yeah,
0: yeah, okay. and you can um, alternatively usually read them from the website. So, for example, when we did Animal Farm, I forgot it at home, mm-hmm. so I just Googled it and read it off of one of these websites. While I was getting my nails done, Okay. easy breezy. So that's the list. But then I also want to say there are things you can do now to support your indie bookstores. So um, check your local bookstore, your indie bookstores, um, social media accounts and see if they're or I mean, if you call them now, they probably won't answer. So maybe email and see what options they have for you to still support them. Some are also teaming with um, there's an app. I can't remember the name of it, but if you buy ebooks through that app for uh, volumes in Chicago, which is another bookstore, they get 100 percent of the proceeds from that uh, purchase. So they may have even partnered with some app or program so as to keep them afloat during this time. It's really important that we support our indie bookstores now more than ever so um you know exchange your books on kindle do that because that's free Mm -hmm. but buy your books from an indie (laughs) bookstore (laughs) and that's it definitely yeah can we take a break i love that (laughs) yep okay all right sounds good I don't know how much time the hey, warden says. <laughs> I don't know how much time the warden says we have, <laughs> but I'll try to make this quick. Um, can you please give <laughs> us some context on Agatha Christie and maybe her inspiration for And then there were
2: none. Okay. All right. So here's what I know about Agatha Christie. She was born in eighteen ninety in South Wales, England. She taught herself to to read by the age of five and had no formal education until she was 16 or 17. She married her first husband in 1914 and had a child in 1916. And it was during the first World War. That Girl, it you got it. World War, you got it. <laughs> to writing detective stories around 1916. Her sister better that she couldn't write a good detective story. And her debut novel, *The Mysterious Affair at Styles*, was published in 1920 after being rejected by six publishers.
0: Wow!
2: It was her um, lifelong ambition to travel on the Orient Express, and during that time, she met her second husband, and that was in 1930. And she wrote um, six romance novels under the name Mary. West Maycott. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. In August of 1926, um, there's a story about her going missing for like 11 days. Yeah. I don't have the full details and neither does anybody else, but she went I missing, know what um, happened. She was she done.
0: She was tired. <laughs> and she said, you know what? You're going to take me for granted. I got something for you. And so she went to the spot, you know, <laughs> Pretended to be somebody else, even if she was pretending by herself.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, she <laughs> pretended to be her. Her husband was a philanderer. So she pretended to be um, his the woman he was cheating with. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And so she was dancing at where she was at one of the balls and one of the. Um, Having people on the stand spotted her and called the police. Yeah. Well, they were like, mm-hmm. she was, and she, she was, was at
0: the spot and they was like, um, hey, Agatha. <laughs> and she was like, oh, heavens no, darling. My name's Mary. <laughs> Agatha, I'm reading a book right now. <laughs> Who is this Agatha? No, that's no,
2: not me.
0: That's not me. Nope. I got amnesia. No, that's not me.
2: Yeah. Yep. And that's what they said. She had um, amnesia. And so she's a very private woman. And in her autobiography, she didn't mention it at all. So that's not a thing (laughs) discussed. Only in the chat box. Come on. Okay. Yeah. So Agatha Christie is like the best-selling novelist of all time. She is best known for her 66 novels and 14 short story collections, as well as the world's longest-running play, The Mousetrap. And Then There Were None is Christie's best-selling novel. It has 100 million in sales. Um, the book is the world's best-selling mystery ever and one of the best-selling books of all time. It's described as one of her most difficult books. I've tried to find the reason where why that was. I read that it's, I it was the most difficult that.
0: for her to write.
2: Yeah. I could see that. But why, though? Did you see that?
0: Well, I assume because everyone has a backstory, but they all have to come together and it all has to make sense at the end. And it's a whodunit where the reader could actually try to guess who it was, which is rare. Usually like uh, Murder on the Orient Express. There's no way you're going to guess who did it. It's almost like it's not almost like he's pulling clues that the reader could never have been privy to. Whereas this book, you're given all the evidence and you could kind of guess as you go. And that that is really rare. So that was probably really difficult to map together all those storylines.
2: Maybe. Maybe. That sounds like a um, good reason, though. Um, the first book, um, it was first published in 1939 as the Ten Little Niggers in the United sorry, Kingdom. Say, uh, uh,
0: okay. uh, uh, guard. <laughs> guard.
2: <laughs> Let me talk to you. You know, uh, they, they can't hear you. They they can't hear me again you know that, uh, what right. was
0: what was the original name of this book you chose
2: for us to read on this the Black podcast? It's coming in mm-hmm. right the original title for this book was 10 little niggers and it was based on a, it was based on a song that was adapted in 1868 by uh, Frank J Green by the same title it was a this, minstrel um, song mm-hmm. Yeah, it was used in menstrual shows throughout the world, and it was widely uh, known in Europe. By the time it came to the US a few months later, in January of 1940, we have the current title, and then there were none. And between 1964 and 1986, it was published under the title Ten Little Indians. The original island, just like in this book, is called Indian Island, the original island was called Nigger Island.
0: I'm sorry, in your book, it's called what?
2: No, in the original book, it was called Nigger Island. Yeah,
0: but you said in your book, it's called Indian Island.
2: Yeah, my book is called Indian Island. Oh my goodness, what is the copyright on your your racist
0: book, Alexis? Where did you get this book? Okay, can I just the say, library. this is why y'all need to Wait. stop going to the library. <laughs> <laughs> you So in your hand is a book that says 10 Little Indians. That's the name of the poem.
2: Um, I don't think the poem is written like that, but 10 Little Indians is throughout the poem. That's what it says. It doesn't say... 10 little
0: soldiers. That's why you. Did you, you sure text say me? 10 little soldiers? Yes, of course. And they're on Soldier <laughs> Island <laughs> because we are in a modern time and we're not going to needlessly offend entire groups of people.
2: <laughs> I, can't Girl, no.
0: I can't believe yes, you was reading yes. this blue like, mm hmm, mm hmm, 10 little engines. Mm hmm. <laughs> this makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you text me and said what kind of book am I reading? And I thought, What does she mean? This is a quite a pleasant novel.
2: Okay, go ahead. I absolutely <laughs> said that after I had read that poem. <laughs> that's why you text like, me, what kind of book am I gonna... reading? And I'm just a confused thinking, hmm. I think mine's is the nineteen forty version. I think so. Okay, good book. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all I have. <laughs> I was Agatha Christie, and then there were none. All right. Um, That was some history. And now, can you
0: please give us a brief synopsis of And Then There Were None by Agatha Christie? No spoilers, please.
2: Okay. Ten people head to Soldier Island after being enticed by a person named U.N. Owen. Shortly after they arrive, they hear an announcement that accuses each guest of a heinous murder. So, Kari, what were your first thoughts of this book?
0: Um. So, I accidentally read this book in a day because my first thoughts... Absolutely. Yeah, because I, I sat down to read two chapters, but I got so taken in by the story that I had to know how it ended. And so, you know, four hours later... Still sitting in that chair. Dishes still not washed. It's okay. I'm on quarantine. So my first (laughs) thoughts were, wow, what? I mean, and now how is she going to tie that to, oh, I see how she did it. Oh, this is amazing. Very good. My first thought was, I'm very interested in reading it. When I opened it up, could not put it down. What were your first thoughts?
2: Um, I opened it up and put it down. Let me start with that. I read like two weeks ago the first and you know they're really tiny chapters, so mm-hmm. I read like the first few um traveler introductions mm-hmm. and I wasn't drawn in. I don't know that just did not capture me at all. um by the time I got to that first poem, I was just like, "What am I reading here?" <laughs> What, kind what of, am I reading? Well,
0: you've brought up before that Agatha always throws in, well, I've only read two Agatha Christie books, some racist in her book, either something mm-hmm. racist or someone racist. Um, I was mm-hmm. reading on Goodreads. People felt that. like that kind of tells you who Agatha was. But the thing is, the racist individual always gets rebuked or, it's to come across to the reader that this racist individual is ignorant. So I really think maybe Agatha had a thing with racist people. Okay. Thank you. And now the moment we've all been waiting for a deep dive into then there were none. Can you please give us a plot summary with all of the spoilers? And I must say, if you haven't read this book and you're interested in reading it, it's worth holding off, not listening to this particular episode until you finish because the ending. Whew. OK, go ahead.
2: <laughs> OK, so the story begins with eight characters in transit on their way to a town called Sticklehaven, where they're going to um, meet up, where they're going to take a boat to the mysterious island called Soldier Island to meet their host or see their host, Mr. and Mrs. Owens. Some are traveling by car, some are traveling by train. They're going to this beautiful house, which is described as being really modern, the essence of modernity, and not all the houses, the house is not old. Essentially, there's no creaking stairs, no dark shadows, no paneled walls. This is a very modern home. When they arrive at the island, they're greeted by the butler and his wife, who serves as the cook. And well, the wife serves as the cook and the housekeeper. And when they arrive, they're told their hosts are delayed and will arrive tomorrow. But in the meantime, they should make themselves at home. Each guest is taken to his or her room, and one guest by the name of Vera Claythorne, who was invited to serve as a secretary to Mrs. Owen, she notices a nursery rhyme that hangs on the wall, and she recognizes this poem from her childhood. She feels like the poem is appropriate, given Their the location. name of the island. Yeah.
0: Ten little soldier boys went out to dine. One choked his little self, and then there were nine. Nine little soldier boys sat up very late. One overslept himself, and then there were eight. Eight little soldier boys traveling in Devon. One said he'd stay there, and then there were seven. Seven little soldier boys chopping up sticks. One chopped himself in halves, and then there were six. Six little soldier boys playing with a hive. A bumblebee stung one, and then there were five five little soldier boys going in for law one got in chancery and then there were four four little soldier boys going out to see a red herring swallowed one and then there were three three little soldier boys walking in the zoo a big bear hugged one and then there were two two little soldier boys sitting in the sun one got frizzled up and then there was one one little soldier boy left all alone he went and hanged himself and then there were none
2: so The guests are kind of getting to know their space that they're in, um, their rooms, kind of walking around. They're preparing for dinner, not sure what to expect. They have drinks. Then they sit for dinner and relax and get to know each other. So let us get to know our characters a little more. Our first guest, Justice Wargrave. Justice Wargrave is a retired judge. Our second guest is Vera Claythorne, and she was invited, as I mentioned earlier, by Mrs. Owens to work as the secretary. This She was happy to have this opportunity because she was standardly a governess and was looking for some summer work. Our third guest is Philip Lombard. I think he's... I kind of was a little confused about how he got there, but he was sent there to work Um, by Mr. Isaac Morris.
0: Right. For a job that would involve some violence. Yeah. Because Lombard is a um, mercenary. Yeah,
2: something like that, right? Yeah. Okay. And then our uh, fourth guest is Miss Emily Brent. She's about 65. Um, She couldn't really see the name of the person that invited her. And she tried to think back to somebody that might have invited her by the with a last name o all she saw was the u n and so she kept calling the house the host is oliver cuz so she couldn't remember remember the name and she's kind of identified as a a very religious woman old spinster that kind of thing our fifth guest is general mcarthur he was invited up With old, meet up with old cronies and, you know, and kind of talk about old times. From the
0: war, yeah.
2: And then there's Dr. Armstrong, who was invited to provide care for Mrs. Owens, who may be sick. And then Tony or Anthony Marston, he was invited through a friend to come up, thinking there was going to be. Good times had by all, like a party lifestyle. So he's like the youngest one in the bunch of things. And then there's a Mr. Davis, who is actually Mr. Bloor, and he is um, a former police investigator. And so he knows the names of everybody that's going to be there. So they're having dinner. Oh, I'm sorry. And then I forgot the manservant and um,
0: Maid servant. Yeah. the
2: cook and, and his wife, yes, yeah. our Mr. and Mrs. Rogers. So these are the 10 people in the house. So before getting up from the table, they notice these 10 little um, soldier figures on the table and everybody kind of identifies that there's 10 of them and they think, okay, kind of goes with the thing. That's what uh, Vera says. So after enjoying a fine dinner and relaxing a bit with the port, the port, the wine, they hear a voice accusing each of them of a very specific murder committed in the past.
0: Yeah, there's like a voice out of the Into that silence came the voice, without warning, inhuman, penetrating. Ladies and gentlemen, silence, please. Everyone was startled. They looked around at each other, at the walls. Who was speaking? The voice went on, a high, clear voice. You are charged with the following indictments. Edward George Armstrong, that you did upon the 14th day of March 1925, caused the death of Louisa Mary Cleese. Emily Carolyn Brent, that upon the 5th of November 1931, you were responsible for the death of Beatrice Taylor. William Henry Blore, that you brought about the death of James Stephen Lander on October 10th, 1928. Vera Elizabeth Claythorne, that on the 11th day of August, 1935, you killed Cyril Ogilvy Hamilton. Philip Lombard, that upon a date in February 1932, you were guilty of the death of 21 men, members of an East African tribe. John Gordon MacArthur, That on the 4th of January, 1917, you deliberately sent your wife's lover, Arthur Richmond, to his death. Anthony James Marston, that upon the 14th day of November last, you were guilty of the murder of John and Lucy Coombs. Thomas Rogers and Ethel Rogers, that on the 6th of May, 1929, you brought about the death of Jennifer Brady. Lawrence John Wargrave that upon the 10th day of June 1930, you were guilty of the murder of Edward Sutton. Prisoners at the bar, have you anything to say in your defense?
2: So the first thing they try to do after they hear this voice is figure out where this voice is coming from so they look of course to the butler mr rogers mr rogers is like hey no way i just followed some very specific instructions it's a gramophone in the other room so they find this gramophone with an album on it and um of course it's playing you know and of course they wanted to stop playing um Mr. Rogers says when he arrived, which was actually two days before, he was given very specific instructions on when to play this recorded message, and it was while they were having coffee in the drawing room. So we learn, of course, at this point that Mr. and Mrs. Rogers have never actually met the host. And then after comparing notes with all the other guests, none of them. Have met the Owens. They all begin to start explaining their story of a personal innocence, how these accusations are wrong against them, except three people. The first one is Mrs. Brent. She's like, I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. Right. And then there's um, Anthony Marston. Who says? Yeah, there were these kids. They just kind of ran out into the street, and I mean, I wasn't even going that fast, but they got hit and they died. But yeah, I mean, man, I got suspended for like a year for that. That was like the worst. Yeah, my life. So he got was kind of in his feelings it. about that.
0: Yeah, my license got suspended. It. it was terribly inconvenient and bad luck. And someone was like, "Bad luck for them, or for your, for the kid, for you, or for the kids that you killed." And he's like, well, for me, but I I guess for them, too. <laughs> so he is supposed to be like the personification of privilege. And he's he's rich, he has access, and he's beautiful. And he's also a heavy drinker, and he drives recklessly. So on one of those yeah. drives, he killed two kids.
2: Yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. And then um, finally there, uh, Philip Lombard also says, yeah, um, I killed 21 people. Um, yeah, that's just what I was doing. I was out for myself. That's what I did They're Yeah, they died. I'm not, I don't feel bad about it. Yeah, because they were native to East
0: Africa. So, yeah, he doesn't feel bad for that.
2: After hearing all this information, it's determined that the best thing for them to do is leave as soon as the boat arrives in the morning.
1: Wargrave said, I am not yet clear as to the purpose of our unknown host in getting us to assemble here. In my opinion, this person, whoever he may be, is not sane in the accepted sense of the word. He may be dangerous. In my opinion, it would be well for us to leave this place as soon as possible. I suggest that we leave tonight. Rogers said, I beg your pardon, sir, but there's no boat on the island. No boat at all? No, sir. "'How do you communicate with the mainland?' "'Fred Narcott. He comes over every morning, sir. "'He brings the bread and the milk and the post and takes the orders.' "'Mr. Justice Walgrave said, "'Then in my opinion, it would be well if we all left tomorrow morning "'as soon as Narcott's boat arrives.' "'There was a chorus of agreement with only one dissentient voice. "'It was Anthony Marston who disagreed with the majority. "'A bit unsporting, what?' Ought to ferret out the mystery before we go. Whole things like a detective story, positively thrilling, the judge said acidly. At my time in life, I have no desire for thrills, as you call them. Anthony said with a grin, the legal life's narrowing. I'm all for crime. Here's to it. He picked up his drink and drank it off at a gulp. Too quickly, perhaps. He choked, (laughs) choked badly. His face contorted. Turned purple, he gasped for breath, then slid down off his chair, the glass falling from his hand.
2: So now that Anthony Marson has died, Dr. Armstrong so believes Anthony's... that he
1: was poisoned.
0: Okay, so Anthony is the one that killed the two kids. Yes. Yeah. And he's choked on some alcohol, his drink.
2: Yep, he's choked on the alcohol that he's been drinking. He gulped too quickly and he chokes. And Dr. Armstrong um, immediately addresses him and he believes that he was poisoned um, because no one really dies of a choking fit. And the suggestion or the idea that someone like Anthony Marston, um, who we've just described as careless and you know, his self is, his importance is um, more than anyone else's. It's it's impossible that this guy would want to commit suicide. So that's not the answer. And then Vera immediately connects this, Marston's death to the first verse of the nursery rhyme, which says 10 little soldiers went out to dine. One choked his little self and then there were nine.
0: Ooh. And it begins.
2: Anthony Marston, the carefree young guy, rich young guy, is now dead. And we're relating it to the poem. He (gasps) was choked.
0: Oh, my goodness.
2: Choked. He was asphyxiated. Okay. All kind of all while this happens, when the... um, If it ain't broke, don't asphyxiate
0: it. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: (laughs) When um, the gramophone is going on, Mrs. Rogers really has a um, an immediate reaction. She, like, drops a tray of, I think it's coffee, and kind of um, passes out, right? And screams, yeah. She screams and passes out after hearing her and her husband have been accused of causing someone's death. She is actually pretty hysterical, and they pick her up and take her to the room, and Dr. Armstrong decides he's gonna he wants to give her something to calm her down because she is really, truly upset. After she is down, um, the remaining eight stay in the drawing room, and they stay up late discussing the day's events and then head to bed. Again, their plan is to leave with the first boat in the morning. The next morning, Mr. Rogers, the butler, calls Dr. Armstrong to his room. His wife hasn't woken. The doctor pronounces her dead. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Not quite sure how she died. They go about with breakfast being prepared. Was that crazy, though? Wait, wait, wait. I'm so sorry. Yes, it was. It
0: was, excuse me, I see your wife is dead. That's crazy. How long is breakfast going to take, though? (laughs) That was crazy <laughs> to me. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. These people selfish. Right. This is they, like um, a little clue that selfish. these aren't great people. Yeah.
2: Right. Mhm. Yep. Um yeah, so they they now know that Mrs. Rogers is dead and they try to reason it out that maybe Mr. Rogers killed his wife because of the way she responded. That was pure guilt and um And she already looked nervous. Like, she, her eyes yeah. were always
0: shifting, and she, she was, was
2: shaking. Hell. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, she has something to hide. So it was easy to believe that they did what was said. They did. And then the excuse that he gave her why they didn't do it, yeah, that didn't clock out right. Right. People didn't like that. So they were, like, ready to believe that Mr. Rogers killed his wife he was saying, because he was, she was saying we would rat.
0: have never killed the old lady we worked for because she was so good to us. And yeah, when she died, we inherited like a lot of her money, but that was just a coincidence <laughs> and, yeah, and,
2: like, mm. and we, we we it was given to us because we had worked so hard for her, right. That's what they said. So but now there are two deaths. And Vera Claiborne now realizes that. Two of the statues are missing. Convinced now that they've been set up, they are again determined to leave. However, the boat that typically typically comes in the morning has not come, has not arrived. So Armstrong, Blore, and Lombard are convinced that the host who invited them there is on the island. so they set out to find them. And they look everywhere on the island for him. Everyone is they think waiting he's knocking to,
0: them off one by one, and so they're like, "Yeah, he he's going to keep us here and kill us all, or we got to find him." And it's a small island, so we can find him if we team up,
2: right? And then I think somewhere in this time, they find out that um, Lombard owns a revolver.
0: Yeah, he he brought a general. Gun. And this, yeah, a gun. And they're like, this Why is in America. This is England. You bring a... <laughs> so people are shocked.
2: <laughs> Why would you bring a gun mm-hmm. to a vacation spot? Did you come here exactly. to do something else?
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: They're very unsure about that. But as a whole, the group, of course, minus um, Lombard and Emily Brent, seem to be more reflective about um their experiences with these accused dead people, with the people they've been accused of killing. You're right. Um, General MacArthur is especially um, reflective because he's accused of causing the death of his wife's lover. This was a man that was under him, and he was accused of sending him off to be killed.
0: Like David and Uriah he knew in the Bible. He,
2: yeah, because he knew that um, he was having an affair with his wife. And so he feels like he's been found out um, and it's really essentially time to pay the price. And so while sitting by the sea and reflecting on this, there Claythorne kind of walks up to him and he, General MacArthur admits that he has killed his wife's lover. And he also tells her that We're not leaving this island. No one is.
0: Exactly. He's actually decided in his heart that he doesn't want to leave the island. He wants this to be the end for him. He's tired of his guilt. Right.
2: Yep. The guilt has kind of been holding him. So, the gong is rung. Is it a gong? I feel like I said it was. But some kind of bell is rung for lunch Mm -hmm. because the house is big. The island is big. You want to kind of hear it? So they ring the gong and everyone heads back to the table, everyone except General MacArthur. He was out by the sea, so they're thinking, well, he probably wouldn't hear because he's out by the sea, you know, kind of out there reflecting. Dr. Armstrong goes out to get General MacArthur to bring him back for lunch. Soon after, he comes racing back to the house and says, General MacArthur is dead. The MacArthur leaves everyone's. Speechless. Shock. Speechless. <gasps> yeah. But they also note there are only seven statues on the table. So, and so there Genomic were 10 Ar- statues on the
0: There were 10 statues in the middle of the dinner table and as they're dying, these statues are unexplainably, inexplicably disappearing. Disappearing. Yeah. hmm mm.
2: And since the entire island was just searched Justice Wargrave says, there's only one conclusion. Mr. Owen is actually one of us. (gasps) Yes. And that we've actually been invited here for some type of execution of justice style against these offenses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Justice Wargrave suggests that they simply consider the facts. Everyone has had an opportunity to commit the three murders that have occurred and the killer is obviously dangerous and criminally insane so you all can be a potential mr owen
0: yeah no one is exempt
2: meanwhile folks start to make a decision about who the they start i feel like they're making alliances at this exactly. point kind of siding up mm-hmm. just a few of them you know like um, any kind of reality tv show Some say Dr. Armstrong, Mm -hmm. and then some say Mr. Rogers, and some say even Justice Wargrave. But also on this island, the weather is starting to take a turn. And with the weather taking a turn, that means no boats can get to the island. That delays any traffic or opportunity for them to leave the island. No one is going to come and save them, so they're essentially sitting ducks. Everyone needs to be on full alert. They go to bed. The next day, people start moving about, but Mr. Rogers hasn't called anyone for breakfast, so they head out to search for him. They head to the dining room, and Vera immediately notices that there are only six statues in the middle of the table, and they find him shortly thereafter. He was chopping sticks in preparation for starting the kitchen fire. Mr. Rogers has been chopped. <gasps> uh. <laughs> that wasn't funny. No. As the guests <laughs> deal with the shock we of gotta another guest.
0: We have to stop reading death. these murder mysteries. It's messing up. I our know. It's a humor.
2: Eric Claythorne. Okay. Exactly. As the guests deal with the shock of another death, Vera Claythorne is on the verge of hysteria and asks, do they keep any bees on the island? They're like, I mean, what are you talking about? And she insists that they need to pay attention to the poem because that'll tell them what's next. Seven little soldier boys chopping up sticks. One chopped himself in half, and then there were six. Six little soldiers playing with the hive. A bumblebee stung one, and then there were five. Dr. Armstrong strikes her on the cheek, and she says, thank you. I'm all right now. Yeah, he hit her for, for speaking reasons. That's like that's like standard. Um but it's usually a woman slapping somebody, right? Right. But I think that's common in the old days, right? They mm. just pop people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Vera Claythorne now heads into the kitchen with Emily Brent. She had been avoiding her because she Emily Brent has shared her story. The story that she would not share with everyone else in that room. She explains what happened in her Scenario to Vera with the person she is accused of killing. Yes, to Vera Mm -hmm. only because she felt like it was you know something that men didn't need to hear. So she wanted to you know just share that with Vera. Mm -hmm. So she shares she shares that story of what happened.
1: Emily Brent continued thoughtfully. Beatrice Taylor was in service with me. Not a nice girl, as I found out too late. I was very much deceived in her. She had nice manners and was very clean and willing. I was very pleased with her. Of course, all that was the sheerest hypocrisy. She was a loose girl with no morals. Disgusting. It was some time before I found out that she was what they call in trouble. She paused, her delicate nose wrinkling itself in distaste. It was a great shock to me. Her parents were decent folk, too, who had brought her up very strictly. I'm glad to say they did not condone her behavior, Vera said, staring at Miss Brent. What happened? Naturally, I did not keep her an hour under my roof. No one shall ever say that I condoned immorality, Vera said in a lower voice. What happened to her? Miss Brent said. The abandoned creature, not content with having one sin on her conscience, committed still a graver sin. She took her own life, Vera whispered, horror-struck. She killed herself? Yes, she threw herself into the river. Vera shivered. She stared at the calm, delicate profile of Miss Brent. She said, what did you feel like when you knew she'd done that? Weren't you sorry? Didn't you blame yourself? Emily Brent drew herself up. I I had nothing with which to reproach myself, Vera said, but if your hardness drove her to it, Emily Brent said sharply, her own action, her own sin, that was what drove her to it. If she had behaved like a decent, modest young woman, none of this would have happened. So now we
2: kind of get an impression of Emily uh, Brent as a very rigid and religious person that um, has no mercy, right? Um, So when they're in the kitchen now, they're starting to prepare breakfast because now you have Mr. Rogers dead and Mrs. Rogers dead. The women, of course, go into the kitchen, right? Of course, go into the kitchen and prepare the meal. (laughs) With four deaths, they start um, rumbling about uh, a possible killer. And then Emily Brent is now considered a suspect because they consider her a religious fanatic. She's got this overly righteous air. So as they prepare breakfast, Emily Brent encourages Vera to stay calm. As you know, she just kind of freaked out. And Vera asks, Aren't you afraid of dying? And she says, Emily says, She's not going to die. The others would, but not her. And she had never done anything of which to be ashamed of. So naturally, why would Emily Brent die? So they finish up breakfast and they serve it to everyone. Everyone's fine. They're engaging in meals, almost as if things are normal. But in their minds, they're like, who's next? What's going to happen? Who did that? Did he believe me? There's all kind of things. The book is sharing us some of the thoughts that are going through the people's minds. Right. And after breakfast, they agree. Let's meet up and we're going to discuss what's happened in about a half an hour. After breakfast, Emily LeBrent, she wanted to assist Vera in the kitchen, but she was feeling a little giddy. I guess that's a bad thing because she needed to sit down. <laughs> Dr. Armstrong wanted to offer her something, and she immediately refuses. Well, now, as you know, they think Dr. Armstrong is poisoning people. So, so nobody want nothing from him. <laughs> right. Everybody's afraid.
0: Right.
2: So when it was time for the meeting, everyone was accounted for except Emily Brent. When they go back to look for her, they see a bee in the house, and Emily Brent is dead.
0: Oh, my goodness. And the
2: chair The that they old left her in. lady,
0: the fanatic, has died.
2: Yes. Yeah. Wow. She's been poisoned by injection. Again, suspicion on Dr. Armstrong. He's highlighted it as a killer. they like, we need to check your bag. You hold and stuff. Well, yeah, because She's four like, people are yeah, dead I mean, now.
0: I got a needle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So four people are dead now. The first died after drinking something. It seems to be death by cyanide, which only a doctor would have. He did give something to Mrs. Rogers to help her sleep. She got too much of it and she died. They don't know about the Mr. Rogers getting chopped in half. And then the old lady is poisoned with a needle. So only a doctor would have a needle.
2: Yeah. So this is like, that's enough. We took of you. Give us all your stuff. We know you got stuff. Give it to us. So they decide to, and I actually Wargrave suggested this, I believe, pull out all implements of death. whatever y'all got, give it to us. We're going to put it in a pile and hide it. Right. So they take all of his drugs and whatever drugs are in the house and, um, and they take Lombard's revolver and they, No, actually, they go to look for it and the revolver is gone. It's not in the place. That's kind of shocking. Well, that is. It's just shocking. Why is your revolver missing? Also, why do you have a revolver? That still concerns us. (laughs) That's what the people are thinking. (laughs) Exactly. All the drugs are stored and put away. They give a key to Lombard and they give a key to Bloor. Now, if you recall, Bloor is the ex-inspector. But he's involved in all the searching of the house, just kind of help them with clean up when it comes to dead bodies, take them back to the bed. They give them key because they're supposed to be the biggest of it, too, that, you know, if you have to fight them to get it, you're not going to win. It's not going to happen if they got to fight each other. Yeah, they're in, well, they're in shape. So,
0: Bloor, we so Davis was actually Bloor, and Bloor is an ex-police detective. And then this mercenary, um, Lombar is also a muscular, like, man of you know imposing structure so they are seen as the two physically fit gentlemen in the group
2: yeah no one can mess with them but as I mentioned they're looking all over the house for this revolver and they they just nothing is found and I believe that at this point is this when they're searching people and saying you got to strip your clothes off yeah, everyone
0: gets naked. they in their robe. Yeah, everyone has to yeah, either wear a dressing essential. gown or towel while they go through all their stuff, while everyone else goes through your things.
2: Yeah, and you just stand there and watch. I and mean, everybody gets it, no special cases. Woman, you also put on something because we checking everything. Right. Wargrave also reminded everybody, you know, you can't find this gun be careful, stay together. They can't get us if we're all together. The scene is now set. There's five that remain and it's all about self-preservation because everybody's nervous. Everybody's questioning everything. They're like animals in a pen. The weather was still bad. There's no hope of let up. There's no hope of getting off this island. Everybody is on edge. Right. They're no longer having meals <laughs> prepared for them. They're like, go in the kitchen. I think they were eating tongue, whatever was canned. Yeah, they were canned eating food. canned food, going in the kitchen, cooking up, opening up a can, and eating. And when somebody wanted coffee, they all went in the kitchen to have the coffee because they didn't want any, no one wanted to be poisoned by anyone. They were just extra high you know, alert, aware of what was going on and they were truly trying to protect themselves. Right. So they realized this one evening that there's no there's no light. to go to turn on the light switch, there's no light. Mr. Rogers was out there cutting, he never had the opportunity to come in and kind of set everything up with light. Right. So So they had to work.
0: For the fire, but because he died or was chopped in half and no one else had the <laughs> wherewithal to cut their wood they just completely forgot about it and now they're sitting in the dark
2: <laughs> it sounds ridiculous yeah. but that's what happened okay folks right they're sitting in the dark they're like what are we gonna do they go get candles all right so they go and they gather up these candles and Vera decided, I've had enough. I can't sit in this room anymore. This is just really hard. Their situation is really difficult. They're on edge. <laughs> She's like, I'm going, I'm going upstairs. I'm gonna take a bath. All right, I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. Y'all stay here. I'm going in my room. Close the door. So she heads upstairs with a candle and closes the men in, in the drawing room. And when she gets up to the room, she finds a scent reminiscent of her time back. When she was caring for young Cyril, the child she is accused of killing. Anyway, she said he was naughty.
0: So he was always asking Cyril, the little boy that she used to be the governess of, uh, would always ask to go swimming by the rocks, which were far out into the water. And he had this like annoying high voice. Now, it seems like everyone else really loved Cyril, but his governess... (laughs) (laughs) who was Vera. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that was her thing with the boy she used to govern.
2: Yeah. But she also thinks about what happened to Hugo, the uncle, what, what happened to them? I I thought we were in love. What happened? He just kind of disappeared. Why aren't we together? And, And while doing this reflecting, the candle goes out and she's standing in this room and she, looking to light the candle and she starts to feel something clammy touch her throat and she screams bloody murder. She screams at the top of her lungs and the men come running the remaining men that is so that's the four men downstairs to see what's happening to her. When the men arrive, Vera collapses on the floor and the men notice the seaweed hanging from the ceiling seaweed hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> Unexplicably, Why? right. Why is that a thing? hmm Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beer realizes it, it must have been seaweed that touched her neck, and she's re- relieved. But she still feels a little faint, so they offer her some um brandy. Um, But she's not... No one's taking anything from anybody. They didn't see where it came from, so that's not going to happen. Right. She's they like, go open give a new me some bottle. Water, okay?
0: Now they go open a new bottle. Yeah.
2: Yeah, they say... I, I'll take a new. Somebody says, I'll go run and get a new bottle. She's like, just give me some water, okay? That'll be better. Then she realizes, wait, where's the judge? Where's Wargrave?
1: Uh-oh.
2: But they didn't realize Wargrave wasn't with him. They thought he came running up the stairs with him all together because they were supposed to be all together. The men thought about it. He wasn't with them. So they go to look for Wargrave. They head back downstairs to the drawing room and they find Wargrave dead. <gasps> he's dressed in a wig and a red shower curtain Wait, with a stain mark on his forehead <laughs> which something had trickled. That's how it's described in the book, y'all. But he's dead, okay? He's dead. Dr. Armstrong rushes over, raises his limp hand, felt his pulse. And of course, pronounces him dead, and says he's been shot. Laura says, "With the revolver." Gun so shot the missing the revolver has missing killed the judge. Revolver. yeah, mm. yeah. But the revolver was not left in the room by the murdered man. It's not a thing. The revolver is still nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. Shot though they did not hear a gun. But Blora explains that it's likely because of all the screaming and the running up of stairs. All of that would have blocked the hearing of a gunshot. Mm -hmm. The line from the poem is repeated. It seems as they begin to know who the killer might be. They're proved innocent with their death. Five little soldiers going in for law. One got in chancery and then there were four.
0: Does it bother you that um, law and four don't rhyme?
2: Yes, it does. Very yeah, much so. I just read that out loud, and I was like, wait, that doesn't rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't rhyme, folks. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> they had to bed and they locked the doors behind them. There's four people left. They're all, I mean, they're messed up. They can't sleep. They're going to their rooms and they still have time to reflect this private time. <laughs> Vera's mind goes to Hugo and Cyril where she tells him to go out to swim in the big rocks and will surprise your mother when you are standing up on the big rock. Again, as you recall, Cyril wasn't supposed to go out there to swim. Because he wasn't strong enough, but he wanted to prove himself. And Vera encouraged him to go out there. (sighs) (laughs) So she wonders if Hugo suspected that maybe she sent the child out there. Okay. Mm -hmm. So
0: Sarah was the little boy that Vera governed. Sarah had an uncle named Ugo. Um, Hugo was in line to inherit a bunch of money. But when Cyril's dad died, his mom was unexpectedly pregnant with Cyril, the little boy. So when Cyril was born, he inherited the money that Hugo was supposed to get. And Hugo was broke. Hugo didn't seem to mind this, except that he couldn't marry, really, because he was penniless. And he would be filthy rich if it wasn't for the little boy. It was like the Lion King. You know how Scar is like, I would be king if you didn't come around. (laughs) Except... Imagine that Scar yep. really likes, um, what was his name? Whatever. What's the kid name? Zero. No, in The Lion King. Simba. Oh. Imagine that Sc- Scar yes. and Simba are, like, kicking it all the time, and Scar really loves Simba, even though Simba's getting his inheritance. Yeah, that's it.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But so Vera really
0: wanted person. to be married to Hugo, because he yeah. was, like, fine. Mm-hmm.
2: The idea of sending out um, this child to swim where we already know that he's not strong enough to go that length really, really doesn't do well for Vera because she's a murderer. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's what Blore, happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. Blore thinks about the victim he's accused of killing. His name is Landor. Now it wasn't really clear to me um, why he would have killed Landor, but it sounds like he was a bad cop. Laura this ex-inspector; he was a bad cop, and so he kills this man. But during this time, he has an opportunity to reflect about the family that this man that he had that died after he had put away on trumped-up charges. He had a wife and a fourteen-year-old daughter, and he wonders what happened to
0: them. Yes. Lander was innocent. The ex cop would also, um, he had a temper he wouldn't control and he would also get involved in it sounds like some um, organized crime maybe. Like maybe you could hire him to kill someone that you didn't want talking. Yeah.
2: Oh, he was dirty, dirty. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when Blora had Lander, or an innocent guy put away, he dies later in prison um, because he fell sick. Of course, the idea that he felt sick isn't really his fault, but the fact that he had him in prison and he died, he wasn't a defense. all those things make him, um, you know, a murderer. Yeah. And so while reflecting, Laura hears footsteps outside the door. He's like, wait a minute, what's going on? He opens up the door and he sees Dr. Armstrong running down out the door. And so after he hears that, he goes back to get Lombard and they follow him out to kind of see where he's going, to see where he's going. And they tell Vera to stay in the room. Don't come out. They return and they say they can't find Dr. Armstrong. He goes missing. They recite the poem. Well, I think Beer brings it up. Beer brings up the poem. Four little soldier boys going out to sea. He- a red herring swallowed one, and then there were three.
0: Soldier boy, tell him.
2: <laughs> Lombard tells Blore his revolver was returned to him. How? Oh, oh. How, Okay, how'd you get that back? Ooh. They look all over. For Doctor Armstrong, and determine not only is he missing, but he's the killer. We think he did it. Mm-hmm. They think he's missing because it's actually a red herring. So, as such as the poem says, this is an idea that kind of puts you off a little bit. They notice a, a pain of the Wendell hadman Say it again.
0: It's a false clue.
2: Yeah. They notice a pane of the window has been smashed, but there are still only three statutes remaining. The next day, they say, you know what? We can't stay in this house anymore. I've had enough. We're going to go out to the cliff outside, and we're going to send sol signals in hopes that someone will see. Someone will have to see this. Even though they feel that it's completely hopeless to try, um, they're determined to do it. They're going to do it anyway. They want to get off this island. And while outside, Bloor decides that he's hungry. Now, Bloor has been hungry the whole book, okay? he's always wants to eat. Yeah. I'm not mad at him. I would be hungry, too. This is stressful. But <laughs> so while he's outside, he's like, I'm hungry. I want some tea or something. Don't y'all want something? They're like, no. Nah. Did you do this? You must have killed everybody. you hungry all the time. That's how they came from him. Clearly though.
0: you the murderer because murderers always be hungry. <laughs> Shoot.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Nobody else wants to go back to the house. They like, the fact that everybody's getting murdered, I don't want to eat. Right. But you want to eat? That's the problem, sir. Lombard said, it's like feeding time at the zoo, okay? Bloor <laughs> walks back to the, the house because he's hungry, right? And then shortly after that, they hear a sound. Now they, I'm referring to Lombard and Vera. They're still outside, but they hear a sound back at the house, almost like the sound of an earthquake. So they go to see, and they find Bloor is dead.
0: Oh my goodness.
2: He's been crushed. He ain't hungry no more. By a block of white marble that's mm. in the form of a bear. Mm. And that's just above Vera's room. It fell from Bears Room. They believe Armstrong did it. They head back to the cliff and try to and they see some clothes folk floating. They go down to look and figure out what these clothes are, and they find out that it's Doctor Armstrong's body lodged between two rocks and he's dead. Together, they pull him from the shore and Vera leans in to kind of help him pull and tug the body um, because it's just the two of them.
0: So now it's Vera and Lombard left.
2: Vera and Lombard. Everybody else is dead. They now officially know that Dr. Armstrong is dead. They've pulled him in, Vera and Lombard together. Lombard turns around and realizes his revolver is not in his pocket. And he looks up to see Vera pointing at him. (laughs) He had underestimated her. He really did. He said, give me the revolver. He leapt for it and she shot him. Lombard was dead. Dang. Vera is the only one standing. She's like, I'm relieved. Oh, my goodness, I'm so relieved. Yeah, her first thought is kind like,
0: of like, this island ain't so bad when you're the only one left on it.
2: Yes. <laughs> she, she <laughs> that created. is her thought. She's like, I'm alone on the island. There's nine bodies, dead bodies. You know, there's, there's nothing to fear anymore. I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a kind of a great place. I like this spot. <laughs> 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 dead bodies and all. Now she's hungry and sleepy. (laughs) So she goes back. She goes back to the house. She's going to get her something to eat. She returns to her room. She's thinking she's going to get some real sleep, some peace. Um, And she thought about tomorrow that she would just be rescued. She notices the remaining three statues on the table. And she wonders how it ends and says, One little soldier left out alone. She got married, and then there were none. That's how she remembered the poem. She heads upstairs. She still has the revolver in her pocket, but as she heads upstairs, the revolver falls out. She's kind of got this haze about her. She's kind of reflective and... She's Pigmatized, remembering, Cuba. like by
0: her memories and yeah. by the events mm-hmm. over the last few days, and she's yeah not in her right mind anymore.
2: No, yeah. So she's walking up the stairs. As I said, the revolver falls out, and um, she has one of the statutes in her um, pocket, and that she drops. And when she gets to her room, she sees a chair and the noose above. She walks to the chair and stands on it, telling herself, this is what Hugo will want. And she hangs herself. Vera is dead. And then there were none. The police arrived the next day. Some Boy Scouts saw the SOS signal, but no one could get to the island. Right, no one could get to the island right away. The sea levels were still very high. So they had to wait a couple, well, I think it was still a few days after she died that they came to the island. They're at a loss for what happened, but they did, they were able to grab some diaries and piece uh, a story together. But still, it remains a mystery. The mystery of the death on Soldier Island baffles the police until a message in a bottle turns up the late Justice Wargrave wrote a manuscript explaining how he planned the murders because he wanted to punish those whose crimes are not punishable under law. He even admits his own lust for blood. We find, that, find out that Wargrave was dying. And instead of just laying down and just letting death happen, he says, he decides to die in a blaze. He explained how he murdered all, and he even tricked Dr. Armstrong into helping him fake his own death and then promising to meet him off the cliff. But when he met him, he pushed him off the cliff, then returned to the house and pretended to be be dead. The plan was that he he would shoot himself, and then it would look like the body fell in bed.
0: Yeah, so he shot himself in a way where the gun was not near his hand once he released the trigger. Um, He had it like tied to this rubber string. And so when he killed himself, the gun was in the doorway, I think. Anyway, it was it was it looked as if someone had shot him and dropped the gun.
2: Yeah. What a story. Yeah. The end. (laughs)
0: Let's take a break. Okay, sounds good.
2: Wasn't that intriguing? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Kari. Yeah. Let's hear your final verdict.
0: Oh, this book is really good. So I would say that uh, this is my favorite murder mystery I've ever read. Well, one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And (laughs) I love how... There are layers that Agatha had to think through and I thought she did really well. Like all of these people are joined together because they committed murders that in which they cannot be punishable by law. Because, for example, Vera told that boy to swim out into the rocks and he drowned and she like took her time (laughs) trying to swim to him. But she made it look like she was really she almost drowned herself trying to save him. To the point where the boy's mother didn't even blame her. So that was murder, even though she can't be punished for it. And um, so to think about how these people were killers, everyone actually but the judge. So the judge feels like you idiots should have known it was me (laughs) because (laughs) I'm the only one here that's not a murderer. So if y'all had came out. Like, hey, all these accusations are true, except the judge. The judge has because he's the only innocent one. Ironically, he must be the murderer. But they did not So, um, yeah, I really liked it. It was really good. I uh, finished it and was ready for more. I would love like a part two. I don't know. Anyway, it's
2: really good. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: What about you? What's your final? Oh, I would highly recommend it. What's your final verdict?
2: Uh, I loved it. I really did. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it um, immensely after I, after I got past the the poem. The first death literally took me out. I'm like, wait. I mean, we were just talking. What? Yeah. What happened here? What happened? Mm-hmm. And and then from there on I was like, wow. I mean, what's next? Now I could put it down and probably cuz I was tired, but I could mm-hmm. put it down I was still intrigued. I was still drawn in by it. Um, There's no colorful words. I like how she just gets in there and just tells a story. Yeah. There wasn't a huge setup.
0: It was just enough. And the show got on Mm -hmm. the road as soon as they all got in the house. Yeah, I like that.
2: Yeah. in, In the beginning, although that was slow for me, And I think I also went back and I took a lot of notes in that section, too, because I was trying to figure out what should I be understanding. Mm -hmm. And um, as I read through later, I probably didn't need to take as many notes because it was kind of a little bit repeated throughout. Mm -hmm. So that was good. But um, yeah, I, I would definitely recommend it. And I, in fact, hope people read it before they listen to it so they can give us some commentary about their thoughts as well yeah. um for the book it's a it is an easy read and you know i don't be saying that it's an easy read
0: <laughs> it is agatha's really mm-hmm. good for that she doesn't overcomplicate things but she explained the story really well characters were flushed out there was depth there yeah great pick great pick alexis Okay, so that was And Then There Were None by Agatha Christie. Great pick, Alexis. Um, Thank you for listening to Lit Society. We'll see you next Thursday. Lit Society is brought to you by Alexis Anaria and Kari Herrera. Support the cause by leaving a five-star review for our show on Apple Podcasts. If you didn't love the audio quality today, well, you know what? Forget you because we're doing our best under quarantine. We literally can't leave the house, you guys. Okay. We're really trying. Um, also, also if you've enjoyed what you've heard, tell a friend about Lit Society, you know, text them because you probably can't leave your house right now either. Visit litsocietypod.com for show notes, this month's book list, and to sign up for our amazing email newsletter. Oh, I also want to give a shout out to everyone who bought something from our store. So last weekend, we opened up our store, which is usually only available to like family and friends um to the public that was exciting and people supported us and bought our merch So maybe we'll do that again. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank thank you, you you. guys. We um we bought a lot of our own merch, but we didn't know (laughs) if anyone would be interested in like wearing Lit Society shirts. We love our cute logos, so it's nice to know you guys love it too. That really touched our hearts and brought us some happiness while we were stuck inside. So thanks for supporting our store. Um, so that's it. it, Yeah. Yeah. So until next
2: time, read Read something. something. Look. Okay.